Well, it's good to see everyone this evening. <clears throat> it's good to be a part of this and to be able to stand before you and to bring you a portion from God's Word. Tonight, as we continue on our series of the book of Numbers and looking at the children of Israel as they have now exited out of Egypt and are going into the wilderness, and we see uh, from Justin last week talking about how uh, here they were, and they began to complain and to speak against God, and why did you bring us out into the wilderness if you're going to kill us? And here we are, we're hungry, and we want food, and they weren't just wanting food though because God was already providing them with manna from heaven they didn't want this manna anymore they wanted something more than that and they began to grumble and complain and to to say you know we want meat we want something else besides this manna that's coming down and so as we look at numbers chapter 12 what really I want us to focus on in hindsight of what happened in Numbers 11, that's of contentment. Learning how to be content with what you have in your life and the blessings that you have already received from the hand of the Lord and being humble and pushing aside that pride that oftentimes is the cause of our contentment. And I believe that's what we're going to see. You see, the people complained again and again. In Exodus chapter 16, whenever they first come out of the land of Egypt, here they are, it says, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when he was set by the pots of meat and we ate the bread to a full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill, us, uh, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Now, what the Lord had done here is he had set this certain amount as, unlike what happened in Numbers chapter 11, where he said, I'm going to give you so much that it's going to run out of your nostrils. Well, what happened here is maybe they should have lived by that same principle that he had already tested them with. Just because there was that abundance of food didn't mean that they had to, hey, you know what, let's go ahead and keep gathering and gathering and gathering because he had set out this back in Exodus when they first left that land. They had said, hey, you know, we had fish, we had bread, we had all this, we could eat till we were full, even though we were under this bondage. And now you've brought us out here to kill us. And the Lord said, you know, I'm going to give you manna, but every one of you will have a quota. And that certain quota was dependent upon the size of your house. Those that had bigger households full of people, hey, take a little extra. Those that had smaller don't take as much. And he tested them in that regard. Exodus 17, again, there they are. Therefore, it says in verse number 2, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. 
So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They are ready to stone me. Now here they are again. I mean, and what I never could wrap my mind around, even before the study is, how is it that the children of Israel, after having seen everything that the Lord had done for them in the land of Egypt, while they were under bondage to Pharaoh, and they see all these miracles that God has brought forth, and has brought them out with a mighty hand out of that bondage, they know that God is capable to give them anything that they need. Yet they complain. First it was hunger. We're hungry. Okay, well, here's you some food. Now we're thirsty. Okay, well, here's a rock. Let me hit this rock, yo. And here comes water for you and your livestock and everyone else. And I wonder what it would be next. Oh, yeah, now it's food again. Now when the people from last week complained, it displeased the Lord. You, you know, if someone complains all the time, it's sort of displeasing. I mean, there you are. You have provided for them time and time again. And over and over again, they were content, and then they weren't. And here they are complaining again, and it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. And so the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. So as time goes on, they are just continually being provided for and guided through this wilderness by God. And all of this time, you would think surely they would have learned to just trust the Lord, to put your faith in him. To rely on him that he's going to give you whatever you need. In your times of hunger, he's going to provide. In your times of thirst, he's going to give you drink. In your time of being lost, he's going to give you that guidance. He guided them through that wilderness. <clears throat> but all it ever led to was them constantly complaining. And that's about where they are. Hezeroth, right there. And that's where they had ended up as of last week. And that's where they still are at this time that they're complaining as we go into Numbers chapter 12. Now, as Numbers chapter 12 begins, it says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And I thought, well, how strange. What? What? A strange thing to be upset with someone for who they married. Well, who is Miriam? Maybe not everyone knows who Miriam is. And why are they speaking against Moses and who he married? <clears throat> I guess if they can't complain against food anymore because the Lord had blessed them. Okay, you know what? Y'all want food? Y'all ain't satisfied with this manna? Here you come. A lot of quail for you. And, of course, some of them were cursed by that. But they're not complaining about the food no more. Now let's find something else to complain about. 
Let's, Ian, you know, Toya, we just don't, I don't know about that. I mean, that's sort of the same thing. <laughs> I can say that, okay? She's my sister. <clears throat> so if they can't complain about food, maybe they'll just complain about who you marry. So why not speak about Zephora or Zipporah, who Moses met after he fled Egypt, after he had killed the Egyptian who was beaten, the Hebrew, and he, he killed him, he fled off, and then he met this man, and he helped them feed their flock, and then he met their daughters, and the daughter was given to him. That was his wife. But who was Miriam? Well, Miriam was the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, so that means she was also the sister of Moses, and so she's complaining about her sister-in-law. That's who Miriam was. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now, as I was looking why she would have had, some speculated that it was due to race, that race played a part in this. And so we go back to Deuteronomy 7, verse number 1. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess it, this will be later on as we continue studying there in Deuteronomy, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them you shall make no covenant with them nor shall any mercy to them nor shall you make marriages with them you shall not give your daughters to their son nor their daughter for your son and so later after we get through numbers and you get into Deuteronomy, you're going to get this law that's given because they're going to be entering into this strange land for 40 years. They're wandering out in this wilderness and eventually they're going to get to that land which the Lord had told them that he had promised them this land, this land flowing with milk and honey. But the problem is there's going to be these people there and he named their names. These people followed after strange gods. And in verse number four, he says, not due to their race, not due to the color of their skin. He says, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. That's what it had to do with. It had to do with, hey, you're going into this strange land and these these people that are in these lands, they're going to, to try to get you to follow after their gods. And you can see that with the children of Israel whenever they come across Balaam and they uh, get Balak to cast a stumbling block before them. And you're going to see that over and over again where these children of Israel, as they come across these different people, are going to turn away from God and begin to follow other gods. 
and God will send a plague or, or some com- something to them. Maybe a prophet will come to them and will tell them, hey, you've turned against God and you need to turn back. Sometimes they would listen to him and they would begin to follow God again, but no sooner than they did, they would turn back away. Almost like their complaints here in the land of this wilderness that they're now traveling in numbers chapter 12 verse 2 he said so so they said has the lord indeed spoken only through moses has he not spoken through us also and the lord heard it so here aaron and miriam are and they're all like now we see the real reason (laughs) okay they're not actually mad at uh moses wife or Moses, but rather that they're a little bit jealous of Moses because God is speaking to him. And you see this favoritism that God shows toward Moses as he speaks to Moses face to face and things like that, whereas he doesn't do that for them. But they say, does he not also speak to us? And the Lord heard it. Now, This is probably that real reason for the contentment against Moses and not the fact that he married an Ethiopian woman, but that they were just jealous of Moses and the relationship that he had with God and God had with him. We see jealousy over and over again through scriptures and just to to name a couple you see from the beginning there with Cain and Abel whenever Cain rose up against Abel his brother because he was jealous that Abel's offering found favor in the eyes of God but his favor uh, his offering found no favor with God and he got mad and he was wroth with with Abel his brother and God comes and he says why are you mad? And why has your countenance fallen against, uh, against Abel here? If you do good, will you not be accepted? And if you do not good, sin lies at the door. And your desire will be unto it. If you do good, won't you be accepted? What about with Joseph and his brothers? What was Joseph's crime here? Joseph's crime was nothing more than he had favor with his father above his brothers. And so, rather than just being content with his brother, they said, no, we're we're going to get rid of him. And they went and they took Joseph and they sold him into slavery. But that course of events is actually what leads us to where we are now because that course of events is what brought the children of Israel to the land of Egypt. And it wasn't until a Pharaoh rose up in that land that didn't know Joseph after he had died that they began to put these children of Israel into this bondage. So generations have passed, and now you've got this bondage, this extreme bondage, this slavery that has now taken place. And you have Moses who comes along. And without that happening... You don't have Moses coming to Pharaoh and saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. And so God works in mysterious ways sometimes. What about the elder brother? You remember his story as he was mad whenever his younger brother came home. As he said, Hey, what's all this celebration going on? Hey, well, your brother has come home. (laughs) 
And that just didn't sit well with him because I, well, I'd never left my father. I didn't take my inheritance and I didn't waste it with riotous living. And now, they, now that he's come home, you've killed the fatted calf for him, but you've never done that for me that I might make merry with my friends. And so there was that form of jealousy there. And there's a certain bit of, hey, we, we need to watch out how we react when something good happens for someone else. We should be happy for our brothers or our sisters in Christ when they succeed. They get a promotion at work, hallelujah, that's great. Or they got a new car, whatever it is. Uh, they were able to get a house or just name things out there. Be happy for them. Don't let that, well, no one's never sent me a check <laughs> or, you know, whatever it could be. I'm just throwing it out there. It's wild. But Moses, on the other hand, in verse number three, it says Moses was a very humble man, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Now, that had to be very humble, very humble. Imagine being so humble that you don't have any kind of pride. Now, I think every one of us in here has probably suffered from that before, and that's pride, but not Moses. He was a very humble man, the Bible tells us. The Lord saves the humble. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 28, he says, You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down. The Lord saves those who are humble. The Lord wants us to be humble. And as a Christian, that should be a characteristic that we, that we show. That people can see that we're a humble people. Proverbs 11 and 12, or 2, he says, When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Again, pride is our enemy. Humble yourselves, he says in James 4, verse number 10, in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And there we are with Moses saying, but Moses was a very humble man, more so than any man that was on the face of the earth. Numbers chapter 12, verse number 4 now, he says, Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tabern tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out <clears throat> and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both went forward. <laughs> now, can you imagine after what y'all just been saying about Moses and now the Lord said, hey, I want Moses, Aaron, Miriam, come out here, <laughs> meet me out here. And now he says, Aaron and Miriam, come forward. Can you imagine what they, uh-oh. <laughs> Could you imagine maybe their heart sank a little bit? Because they know they were in the wrong. They didn't have to, why are you calling us out, Lord? You know why. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of whom we have to do, uh, must give account. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of the Lord. There's nothing secret or hidden that we have done in dark that the Lord doesn't know about that won't be revealed. We have to remember that. 
whenever we think, oh, we're, we're getting away with something over here because y'all don't know about it. But, I, I mean, it's just between me and those, these four walls. No, the Lord knows. There are people who get away with committing horrible crimes almost every day to the point that, well, maybe there's no evidence or nothing to convict someone. Maybe someone was smart enough to cheat the system or whatever it might be. But the Lord knows, and we will stand accountable for those things that we do. So we have to understand that. Psalms chapter 139, verse number 7, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. There's nowhere that we can go that we can hide from the eyes of the Lord. He knows where we are. He knows what we do in secret. And there's nothing that we do that is hidden from his eyes. Numbers chapter 12, verse 6 now, he says, Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision, and I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Are you afraid to speak against the Lord's servant? We should be. Are we afraid to speak about the elders of the church or about the deacons of the church? Are we afraid to speak out and speak against the preachers or our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we speak against each other? We shouldn't. Because here now the Lord, you see Moses didn't clap back at Miriam and, and Aaron whenever they began to speak against him and against his wife. No, instead Moses remained silent. He was humble. But the Lord called them all three out. He brought Miriam and Aaron before him. And now he's saying, you know, Moses is my faithful servant. I speak with him face to face. He's seen the form of the Lord. Why are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Can you kind of hear the seriousness of what God is asking them? You see, the Lord fights for us. Revelation, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse number 9. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Former days, you know those former days. Who you were before you became a Christian. Used to, vengeance was Jason's. And it was best served cold, right? Is that how the saying goes? But you know, when you give your life to Christ, when you're buried with him in baptism, when you're raised to walk in newness of life, you shouldn't be that same person who says, oh, you messed me around, now I'm coming for you, you know? Where's that turn the other cheek mentality? Where's that hope, let's give this to the Lord because the Lord fights our battle? Where's that let's remain faithful to God because that's what we're called to do? God's going to make right what's wrong. All those secret things that are hidden, that's wronged against us in the dark places, God's going to reveal it. It's going to be made right. 
Why should we have to fight that battle? Don't avenge yourselves, but give place to that wrath because vengeance belongs to God. Jesus would tell his followers, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And it should be falsely whenever they say it against you, right? Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're blessed when people speak evil against you falsely and persecute you falsely bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse but it's so hard lord no the lord the lord hasn't given us anything that's so hard that we can't do it we're to bless those that curse us we're to bless those that persecute and not curse Numbers 12, verse number 9, So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there was a leper. And there she was, a leper. Miriam's now unclean. She can't be in the midst of these people because lepers are not allowed there. She has to be placed outside the camp. That was her punishment. That was part of the Levitical law that if there was a leper there, hey, leper, it can't be this unclean thing can't be among the clean. We have to get him out of the camp or get her out of the camp. But look at what happened. So Aaron said to Moses... (laughs) who they were just speaking evil about, right? And he said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. Have you ever heard that saying about bridges? You know, Be careful about burning bridges in case you need to cross it again. Imagine, if you will, that Moses wasn't very humble. (laughs) Maybe, just maybe, they turn to Moses and they say, Oh, Moses, please intercede for us because we've sinned. And Moses said, No, no, no. You sinned against me. I'm not helping you out no more. You burn that bridge. But Moses, in his humility, cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Why? They were guilty before God. There was no question about it. God heard them. He saw it in their little secret place that they thought they was very secret, but it wasn't. And God heard them. He called them out. He brought it to everyone's attention. Hey, you want to speak evil against my servant, my faithful servant? Now you're going to be placed out of the camp. Oh, Moses, please. And you know what Moses did? In his humility, he interceded for Miriam. Likewise, we have someone that intercedes for us when we sin against God, who makes intercession for us in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 12. He says, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's Christ. 
Christ makes intercession for us. All those secret sins that we've done, that we thought we got away with, what do we do with them? There's nothing hidden before the Lord. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of whom we have to do. But we were washed, but we were sanctified, but we were justified, and we have that intercession for us. We're not called to live how we once lived. We're not called to talk bad about each other behind each other's backs because we're Christ-like. We've been washed. We don't live in that sin anymore. And Christ intercedes for us. And so as we get toward the last couple of verses of Numbers chapter 12, thanks y'all for giving me the shortest chapter in Numbers. I'm almost sure of it. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had put spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. You know, I think maybe Marion and Aaron got off easy here. But they got off easy because Moses interceded for them. It could have been that she could have been leopard her whole rest of her life. Is that a word? But they were taught a valuable lesson. Don't speak evil of God's servants. And when you are spoken evil of, bless those that curse you. Do good to those that persecute you, who speak evil against you. And then it says in our very last verse, And afterward the people moved from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. And there I got us another little map. There they were at Hazaroth, and now they're just wandering in this wilderness, this desert of Paran. And that's where they are. And so what we can take away then from this lesson this evening is be faithful to God. Trust in Him. He's the one that's in control of this whole apparatus that we live. Believe in Him that He's going to be able to provide for us the things that we need. Because God is faithful. Don't complain about what you have in life. Be thankful for the little things that you have. Be kind to other people. Don't talk bad about your fellow Christians. Don't talk bad about your neighbors. That's not Christ-like. And Christ called us to a higher standard. And always be humble. Take that pride that sometimes grabs a hold of you that you want to grab onto. Put that off. Because when we hold pride to us, that humbleness that we need is not going to be there. Whenever we hold on to pride, that's when contentions are going to come. That's when anger is going to arouse. That's when we get, start to think of ourselves a little more than what we really are. Humility keeps us where we need to be. Be humble, be kind, be thankful, be faithful to God, and don't complain about what God is doing for you. So the lesson is yours this evening. We never like to close our, our services without giving an invitation, an opportunity for you to, to come forward and to get right with the Lord. If you're not right, maybe you've been living your life 
and living in secret sins and things like that, and you want to come clean and, and make your life right to start that journey back on, we're here to help you. Maybe you've never began that journey, in which case there's water here, and you can begin that walk with Christ. You can be buried with Christ in baptism. Have your sins washed away. Be raised up to walk in that newness of life. Have that guilt of sin taken off your shoulders. But the invitation is yours, and we give it to you at this time. Once you come, while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.